the mounting fire, the seat of human consciousness, in fact of all consciousness, is the brain, the grey substance filling up the cranium. The brain constitutes man in his essential and characteristic substance and functioning. I am speaking specially of the physical and material basis of mind and consciousness, for unless this basis is changed, there can be no change in the structure of the being and in the movement of outward life. Even the consciousness would not change radically or permanently. A stable transformation can come only when the material stuff has undergone a reversal. The human brain consists, as physiologists tell us, of three parts the frontal lobe, the hub behind, and further down a hidden part. They are, as we know, this cerebrum, the cerebellum, and the bridge and medulla. Such is man's head, the cranium, the lodgings where human mind dwells, and from where it moves and controls all man's dynamic behavior. The frontal lobe is the seat of intellect and intelligence, the topmost portion, the crown of the head, is usually associated with the still higher functions of mind tending towards intuition, direct knowledge, luminous vision, etc. The front proper, the forehead, that is to say, is the seat of intellect proper, the discursive, deductive, rational mind. The part of the brain in the hind part of the cranium is usually associated not with a reason or understanding, but with the vital urges, impulsions, sentiments, passions, desires. The nervous knots there are the controlling agent of those lower functions of the mind. That is the control room, as it were, for all dynamism in man's character and nature and the part hidden or embedded below houses the infra-impulses, the demands and needs that are inherent mostly in the bodily functions, all the movements that are called forth in the wake of physical existence. The question, the problem now is, 
how to change, purify these ranges of the mind or brain, to suffuse the cranium with a new functioning and organization, replacing the old order of the ordinary, more or less, animal man. The usual course followed is to call in the higher reality, the light and its power of organization that lie above, above the brain, outside the cranium. To invoke the light, the transcendent light and power to descend and penetrate the brain consciousness and work out there a process of purification and organization. This has been done with considerable success. This is the Vedantic way. But there is a but, that is to say, a limitation in this line. The higher consciousness is brought down it descends, but normally it does not penetrate far enough. It penetrates only very partially, slowly, intermittently, and in a gradually diminishing strength. The top region receives the light comparatively easily. The middle receives or is touched and influenced with great difficulty and after long travail, but the bottom portion is rarely connected or contacted, only nominally perhaps. In other words, if the higher mind, the intellect and intelligence is somewhat illumined with a new light from above, or even if the higher vital comes under its influence in a general way, the lower vital comes hardly in its grasp. And the lowest region, the region of physical or nervous movements for all practical purposes, lies outside the influence of the higher or transcendent consciousness that remains almost undisturbed, unregenerated. To bring down the higher light there, behind and below the brain stuff, is a task very few have done or even tried to do. The tantrics devised a different way, an about-turn way, Instead of trying to bring down the superior or the supreme consciousness into these lower darknesses, they sought to attack these from below, set a blazing fire below that would shoot up its tongues into those nether regions of the brain or mind. Instead of a force of light, from above, coming down, a force of fire is rocketed upward and made to strike, as it were, at the back 
of the lower masses of the mind. Now, where to find this fire, this mounting tongue of a living flame? That is what the tantras have imaged in the concepts of the Kundalini Shakti. There is a force, a mighty energy coiled and concentrated at the base of the spine, holding it and supporting it at its top. First, the subliminal region of the brain at the bottom, and over it, the other two. There is a secret fire at the base of the human system. It is a fire as invoked by the Vedic rishis. The tantrics view it as a coiled python. The universal nature power, her massive, ingathered, creative energy. This energy is forceful and fierce because it is as much creative as it is destructive. That is the poison which the python carries. It is a poison in the ignorant state and consciousness. To the ignorant and the unconscious, but to the aspirant and the awakened and the luminous consciousness, it begins to work as the immortalizing draught, the heavenly nectar. The energy at the root of the spine is stored, as it is said, in the Muladhar, the root, that is to say, in the root of the very material constitution of the human being. It is the concentrated energy in matter. Indeed, it is the energy of the Mother Earth. The Vedic rishis speak of fire as being a deity of earth, as the sun or the god of light is the deity of the heavens. The earth energy has to be awakened or kindled, and it has to move upward and forward, piercing and burning and illumining all the inferior and denser regions of consciousness till it pierces through and enters into the head and then goes beyond into the supreme solar light. That is the image given in the tantras, calling it Chakra Bheda. The inferior parts of the brain are denser and darker than the superior. The lower it is, the denser or darker it becomes. I do not know if physically it is so, but the sensitivity, the vibrations there seem to point to such a direction. So it appears. It is not easy for the light from above to penetrate, to penetrate to a great depth to the bottom of the brain. It is not the light from above, but, as it is said, the fire from below. 
the flaming force of material consciousness that has to do the main or final work. For the light from above is mostly mental or mentalized. The very supreme light does not descend easily, is not readily available. Indeed, it is ready and available only at the call of the fire below. Agni is therefore named Hota, one who calls the divine down here below. It is the God here below that can call down God above. How to awaken this God buried in matter? How is one to kindle this fire that apparently lies extinguished? The Vedic rishis have a whole ritual for the process. They speak, first of all, of preparing the seed for Agni, Bharri. It is the material casing of the body. And then one takes the Arani, kind of wood for fuel, and rubs them one against the other till the fire leaps out. It refers to an aspiration, a concrete and concentrated aspiration that is breathed into the living cells. This breathing, Admatam, is the concretizing or embodying of the aspiration. It is the invocation that calls forth the sleeping divinity. The fire, in fact, is the aspiration of the body, the divine demand in the body, and it kindles itself by its own self-pressure. The spreading of the barhi in the Vedic image means also the surrender and submission, the prostration of the bodily being. By namas, by constant obeisance, the fire is to be tended and a ceaseless refueling has to be done by a ceaseless self-offering, offering of all movements, especially all the automatic reactions of the physical that form the roots of the material existence. The whole physical being, if it is to embody a new life in a new organization, must concentrate at one point within itself and find or found there the fire, the dynamic divine will in its most concrete reality, the body, self and soul. The Vashvanara the human figure of the Divine, here invoking, calling forth the gathered, the Godhead who leads the sacrificial journey through all the worlds 
and domains to the supreme heights. We have said that fire is a denser and intenser force than light, while the light is likely to stop or to disperse, the fire is apt to act fiercely and decisively with the denser or more refractory objects of existence, strands that are moved, as I have said, from the central control of the brain. Earth enshrines volcanoes, likewise the cells in the material body may be made into little volcanoes if the divine flame is aroused there in the intensive process of aspiration. Earthly beings as we are, Agni, the earthly Godhead, is the deity we adore. He is the Lord of the home, Grihapati. He is foremost of the gods, and he goes in front of us, Purohita. Agni's flame rises towards Surya, the supreme light, but first it must prepare the passage, burn and clear the woodlands and marshes that intervene, the past growths and formations of the very substance of the being. Thus, the head, the brain, must be built wholly of fire particles. The cranium will hold, as it were, a golden ball, rounded and fully formed, the golden egg, Hiranyagarbha, out of which the new physical creation will emerge, something in the manner of the legendary Greek goddess Minerva, whole and entire, complete in arms and panoply, out of the supreme goddess Father Zeus. Savitri, we continue Savitri as we have seen is now one with the divine in her divine consciousness she sees the new world the new humanity appearing on earth in their new transformed nature and character, she herself being the protagonist of that mighty drama. When Superman is born as a nature's king, his presence shall transfigure matter's world. He shall light up truth's fire in nature's night.
He shall lay upon the earth truth's greater law. Man too shall turn towards the Spirit's call. Awake to his hidden possibility, awake to all that slept within his heart, and all that nature meant when earth was formed, and the Spirit made this ignorant world his home, he shall aspire to truth and God and bliss. Interpreter of a diviner law, and instrument of a supreme design, the higher kind shall lean to lift up man. Man shall desire to climb to his own heights. The truth above shall wake a nether truth. Even the dumb earth become a sentient force. The spirit stops and nature's base shall draw near to the secret of their separate truth and know each other as one deity. The spirit shall look out through matter's gaze and matter shall reveal the spirit's face. Then man and superman shall be at one, and all the earth become a single life. Even the multitude shall hear the voice and turn to commune with the spirit within, and strive to obey the high spiritual law. This earth shall stir with impulses sublime. Humanity awake to its deepest self, nature the hidden Godhead recognize. Even the many shall some answer make and bear the splendor of the divine's rush and his impetuous knock at unseen doors. A heavenlier passion shall upheave men's lives. Their mind shall share in the ineffable gleam. Their heart shall feel the ecstasy and the fire. Earth's bodies shall be conscious of a soul. Mortality's born slaves shall unloose their bonds. Mere men into spiritual beings grow and see awake the dumb divinity. Intuitive beams shall touch the nature's peaks. A revelation stir the nature's depths. The truth shall be the leader of their lives, 
truth shall dictate their thought and speech and act, they shall feel themselves lifted nearer to the sky as if a little lower than the gods. For knowledge shall pour down its radiant streams and even darkened mind quiver with a new life and kindle and burn with the ideal's fire and turn to escape from mortal ignorance. The frontiers of the ignorance shall recede and more and more souls shall enter into light, minds lit, inspired, the occult summoner here, lives blaze with a sudden inner flame, and hearts grow enamored of divine delight, and human wills tune to the divine will, these separate selves, the spirit's oneness feel. These senses of heavenly sense grow capable. The flesh and nerves of a strange ethereal joy and mortal bodies of immortality. A divine force shall flow through tissue and cell and take the charge of breath and speech and act, and all the thoughts shall be a glow of suns, and every feeling a celestial thrill. Often a lustrous inner dawn shall come, lighting the chambers of the slumbering mind, a sudden bliss shall run through every limb and nature with a mightier presence fill. Then shall the earth open to divinity and common natures feel the wide uplift, illumine common acts with the Spirit's ray and meet the deity in common things. Nature shall live to manifest secret God. The spirit shall take up the human play. This earthly life become the life divine.